Hey crew, I'm Cam Explains, and this is Run the Block, the first show that's bringing together coaches, podcasters, and local business owners to innovate and collaborate, because I think there's crazy crossover that no one is talking about between these three amazing groups, from lessons learned to finding untapped and potential new revenue streams. Our goal is to help you get more subs, customers, clients, and more using the perfect formula of know-how, storytelling, and kindness. So you too can easily create content that converts, add more cash to the bank, lift up your community, and ignite your biz without being stuck in no man's land ever again. How to travel the world while running a successful business, getting through dark moments as a coach, and why removing distractions while living with imposter syndrome can actually be your own keys to success. Today's guest has gone from coding to actually having the confidence to coach other coaches with their own fitness and nutrition among serving a full roster of gym pop clients as well. And that is G-Y-M, which means they already should know kind of what they're doing. We talk globetrotting, relationships, beliefs, and coaching while sharing how his grand vision has been able to help him through it all simply by making sure his 12 year old self would give him a high five each and every day. Please help me welcome to Run the Block, Coach Aaron Straker, owner of Straker Nutrition Company. Get ready because we're about to run the block and possibly the world with this one. Welcome to Run the Block, Coach Aaron Straker. I always want to say Striker and I feel like you should be a Mortal Kombat because you are the man, the myth, the legend. But welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we were just talking uh, about your travels, and right now you're you're in Virginia. For those of you who don't know, I feel like you're a man of the world because you're always off to somewhere amazing, and I'm super jealous. I stalk your social media, always looking at the fun things you guys are doing. Like, I believe you're riding dirt bikes around volcanoes. Is that correct? Uh, we didn't make it to the volcano, but we did wear dirt bikes in the beach or on the beach, and then in the jungle as well. But there is a volcano trip that maybe we'll do. You know, when we go back in a couple months. We got to take just just the uh, the whole group. Any any coaches listening out there? We, we got to do a group trip. Two weeks. We're going. We're following. We're following Striker. He's going to take us. We're going to the volcano. Yeah. Uh, you're just, so you're just saying that you're in a remote place in Virginia, and I'm from West Virginia, so I know all too well about that. But it was interesting that you said that someone had to actually pay to have internet. And where we are today in technology, that seems a little crazy. That actually someone would have to pay to have internet actually brought in to the area so are you literally like just in like a little spy organization and on some like remote cia place or like wh- where are you at in virginia that's that remote that they don't even have internet access i just I, i'm not so i'm from pennsylvania you know so the, the thing is like i don't really know the area very well at all and mm-hmm. i would only ever just come here to like you know visit my girlfriend's parents yeah so i just know we're in like northern virginia you know about like <laughs> two hours out of dc about 90 minutes like north somewhat north of of richmond but yeah um i think like roanoke may be like the nearest bigger area but i mean i got a 30 minute drive to the gym each direction grocery store is like a 20 minute drive and then anytime that we want to go do any kind of like 21st century things like I, i got some blood work done this morning and it was an hour and 15 minute drive or no an hour drive to lab corp and then there's like a Whole Foods and stuff. So we have to like batch all of those things. Uh, so we are out there in the sticks a little bit for sure. Do you prefer that style of living? Uh, and what I mean by that is because you do travel a lot. So like obviously you've had to make do with being around the world and whatever's near you is kind of that thing. So do you actually prefer that style or would you rather be maybe outside of town, but like closer to one of those Whole Foods or Trader Joe's? Yeah. So, I mean, it's something that we've talked about uh, for kind of what we call like the 
the forever home for whenever, whenever we do stop traveling. I do prefer the like remoteness, but I want to be closer to a like metropolitan style like hub um, where you can get Whole Foods. You know, where I, I don't want to be 30 minutes from a gym, like 15 would be nice. But I think like you get to like on the outskirts of, of a, you know, more densely populated area. And there's those areas where it's still like kind of remote. You can have some, some privacy and a couple acres of land, but you're not a 60 minute drive to town. You're like a 18 minute drive to town or something. I love that you say to town too, because I say that all the time. People are like, what do you talk? What do you mean you go to town? Don't you live in a town? I'm like, no, you don't get it. <laughs> you don't, you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's exactly what it was for, for me growing up. It was 30, I think it was like 27 ish minutes. I could get it down. If I didn't hit any stoplights, like 27 minutes, I could get to the gym one way. And when you make that, your basically time to go. That means you've got half hour to get there, an hour, hour 15 to train, half hour back. And when you look at that over the course of your day, you're like, shit, like there's my morning. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it takes planning for sure. And then that's like, like after this, right, I'm going to go to the gym. I'll get to the gym by about like seven, you know, hour, hour training, uh, you know, I'll be home (laughs) like nine (laughs) and, uh, it's a, the gym each day is a two hour plus ordeal every single day. Well, every day you go. When you kind of look at that, because uh, just knowing you and knowing the amount of spreadsheets I've seen you create, I'm guessing like you're probably a pretty tailored guy when it comes to your calendar. Is that is that assumption correct? I live and die by my calendar. Yeah. yeah so like, do you actually like plan things out along the drive? Meaning like, do you listen to like a podcast or something on the drive? Like, do you try to maximize that time to and from? Sometimes yes, but then also it is nice, especially like in this day and age, I feel like the, the, like the sacredness of quiet and just mental time, there is like none of, there's always like, you're always like, you know, let's say you're just like eating a meal on your phone, watching like funny reels or whatever, which is like something that I will commonly do. Or in the morning when I'm cooking, I'll be like listening to podcasts and stuff in the gym. I'm listening to music. Like sometimes I just want like quiet. And on the drives, like sometimes I would say the majority of the times, like there's no radio on nothing. It's just like the quiet mind and just driving sort of thing. Do you meditate at all? Like, or is that your style of meditation where it just kind of throws you into like those, I think like Delta waves. Is that what it is when you're just almost in a trance when you're kind of driving and zone out? I wouldn't know, but I, I have always been a fan of like just alone time and quiet time by myself. And I just like think about things, you know? Uh, so it is kind of meditation esque, but it's really just like quiet time for me to think, you know, uh, I've found that like meditation is hard for me because my mind, like, you know, generally like races, but the driving, especially like, I'm, I'm not, it's not like I'm getting on the highway. We're on, you know, single lane or not really single. Like there's one lane for each direction back roads, but the speed limit's still like 50, 55. So you're moving pretty good, even though you're still moving pretty good, but there's no, obviously, uh, you have to pay attention is basically what I'm getting at. You can't just be like chilling, you know, on the right lane going 65 down the highway because it's a, it's a windy back road. So that's enough like haptic and visual, um, commitment to keep my mind like occupied. So then I can just like think with the other kind of uh, side. Yeah. We call those kiss your butt turns. That's, that's what we call those. Uh, and then you got to watch out for the deer and everything else along along the way. Yeah. Uh, so you, you actually, you guys were just where in Thailand, is that right? Bali in Indonesia. Okay. Bali. Yeah. 
when when you travel like that, how can you actually run a business? Because that blows my mind, the amount of work that I see you put out. And maybe it's just because you have systems in place that you're able to to do so much. At least that's how it looks on the outside in. Mm-hmm. Are you just so time efficient? And you said you live and die by your calendar that you're able to produce X amount and you just kind of know that? Um, because I feel like most people can't. And then just to, to add travel to that is just insane. And you're also working with people in America. So now you have time zones, you have everything else like going into that. How have you managed to do that without creating yourself either just a shitty business <laughs> or the amount of anxiety enough just to make you want to go and just take a giant sleeping pill? So the, I mean, the, the, the real thing is the business is the priority. That is how I make it work. Like every time I travel somewhere else, I change my schedule. I don't change my client's schedule. Um, so for instance, you know, I have a, I, I do like a small group mentorship for, for other coaches. When I was in Bali, that call was Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. for me. Now that I'm on the East Coast of the U.S., that call is Tuesday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for me. So like I modify Aaron's life around Straker Nutrition Co., not the other way around. So that is how I've made it work is even though we're traveling, you know, the business is still the priority and that, you know, the the travel stuff always comes to the backseat of that. So I do structure, you know, I have like the beginning of my work week is much more client heavy and productivity focused. And then that kind of slides off towards the latter end. But anytime we travel anywhere, flights are always on a Thursday or a Friday because Sunday is like a recovery day, you know, get ready for, for Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are heavy client focused weeks and business is the priority. So that is really how I make it work is I just have prioritized it as such. Definitely. And when you like go through a whole travel routine, do you find that there is something that kind of helps get you back on point? Basically, I'm kind of asking like, do you just smash caffeine and nobody knows it? Like you just drink pre-workout like you would a cup of coffee (laughs) or do you just know like from traveling, hey, like if we're going to travel Thursday and Friday, then I know like I need to get back into sleep on like, you know, Saturday, take some melatonin or something like that to regulate or do you just kind of wing it when you go through that? No. So there, there's kind of t- two different styles. So whenever I'm saying we, like I have a girlfriend who, who's with me, she has a very similar business. She is a sleep on the plane sort of person. So for, for example, like when we just came back to the States from Bali, it's about like 40 hours total of travel because we were fortunate to have like short layover in like the mid flight. I am just kind of big enough that I don't really sleep on planes. Great. Like my knees are touching the seat in front of me you know, unless I'm in the window, like I can, it, it just doesn't work great for me. So what I do is I try and stay up as, as long as I can. And then for example, like we left Bali at like 7am Thursday morning is like when we left for the airport. When we got back to the US, it was Friday morning at 9am. So I basically like stayed up enough. Okay. It's now Friday morning, 9am. But that Friday, I was like a fucking zombie, dude. That was the most <laughs> tired I'd ever been in my entire life. Like, there was multiple times throughout the day where we'd be like sitting somewhere in my, and I would literally just fall asleep in the middle of this, <laughs> like sitting up in a chair. Um, but then, you know, come like the second it was like dark enough, the sun was going down. I was like, okay, I'm going to bed, you know, good night, everyone. Um, and then I slept for like 12 hours and I had like a very big sleep Friday night, a very big sleep Saturday night. And then by like Sunday, 
I'm pretty much back on on an East Coast schedule. Definitely. And uh, you mentioned your girlfriend. And so I definitely want to to dig into that because, man, number one, being an entrepreneur is really hard and most of the time sucks. Like people just don't understand it's very rewarding to build something. It's very fun to own something yourself, but it's really freaking hard. And not only that, but you and your girlfriend both do that. So how, how does that, does that actually affect your guys' relationship together? Or is that something just you guys have built together and, and talk about, right? Like, how do you actually do that together? So, yeah, we, we kind of planned, you know, everything. So fortunately, I, I guess I could say fortunately, we're a little bit older. So I'm 34. My girlfriend is 33. I was 30 when I started the business and then that would make her, you know, I don't know, like 28, 29. We planned it. Like we, we, we planned that, okay, we are going to give everything, you know, to these businesses for the next, however long it takes them for us to create the future and life that we want. We will put everything else on the back burner, you know? So it's like the businesses are the priority and then the relationship comes after that. And we just understand that like, we're not going to have date nights, you know, twice per week or whatever. And, and if, and in being completely transparent, like many nights I am at my computer till 10 PM, she is at her computer till 10 PM and we're just working. But there is a little bit of that, like camaraderie companionship and that knowing that like we're grinding together to build the life that we want so that like one day, once we're established enough, we will have all the financial flexibility and freedom we want, you know, the, the, the life's the family dynamic and stuff we want because we sacrificed for those years to create it. Do you guys like actually sit down together and like make a, I don't want to say a mission statement, but like make goals and like, a, because you're saying it kind of sounds like you're aligned with a mission together of, Hey, X number of years and we set aside and we know it's going to suck, but we're going to get through this together. So is that just like the bigger picture? Like, Hey, we're going in that direction or do you guys actually like set markers and and goals like you almost would with a business as well? Yeah. So we will kind of treat each other like consultants to each other's business at times, but we have completely separate, you know, two different S corps. Um, we don't do anything actually together. And that's more because we realize like we just kind of butt heads with business type stuff, you know, kind of, they can't have two chefs in the kitchen. Um, we're both like very headstrong and opinionated about things. And I will say the majority of our like kind of relationship tiffs come from differences in ideologies around lifting weights. <laughs> so I have learned that we just don't talk about training anymore, you know, we, because it just, that's where things would lead to. Uh, and then like there's times where I'm like, Hey, I'm, you know, running into this with business, you know, can you like help me sort of thing? And then she's really good at like asking the right questions for me to see like where I'm being ridiculous or how I'm just in my own way. And then I will kind of, you know, help her with more like technology related decisions, which is where, you know, more of my strengths are when she's like, Hey, I have this problem. You know, what do you think around like solutions? And I'm like, okay, well I would, you know, throw these technological solutions at it sort of thing. But that makes sense. Now, were you already established as having your own business like, were you already doing nutrition coaching before you guys even met? So you were already growing that thing or was that something you started after? We start, yeah, we started it after. So I was actually, Oh, that's like, fascinating. Yeah. So, um, a little bit backstory. We met in 2014, um, in Brian Borstein's gym. So that's like a little bit of backstory. I was a member at, John, at Brian's gym. 
Uh, for the listeners out there, Brian and I have a podcast also uh, called Eat, Train, Prosper. Shameless. You should check it out. Plug there. But we met there, right? At, at the time, I was a software engineer. Uh, uh, my girlfriend worked in corporate finance at like a big financial um, company. And just, we were in our late 20s and I just realized like things were changing around my peers who I had you know, kind of gone through my like mid to late twenties with, um, people were starting to like prioritize career more. And, and I just wasn't, it was like, I still just wanted to go to the gym and lift weights and hang out and, you know, writing code as a software engineer was literally just a means to pay the bills. And so I could go hang out and, and go to the gym and stuff. And it had kind of reached a point where I, I had set some like personal goals, you know, I was like, oh, I want I want to make six figures as a software engineer. I want the like senior engineer title. And then as I like cross those things off the list, like I realized I was no more satisfied and it kind I kind of always felt on the outside of like that, you know, straight and narrow kind of career path, like trying to like look in and be like, Oh, well, this is what I want to do. But at the end of the day, like I just, I'm a rough around the edges kind of person. Like I just want to lift weights and, you know, get neck and hand tattoos. And, and I just want the freedom to live like my life the way that I want to. I really try to give like an honest seven years of like, Hey, I'm going to like do the, I didn't even work in corporate. Cause I knew I, I, I had my first, you know, job ever was like in actually a finance company. And I was like, yeah, Aaron's not doing the business khakis and fucking button up tie thing. Like, no. So I worked in like startups and stuff. And even that I was just like, when I was like 29, I just realized like, I'm not going to spend the next 30 years of my life in a fucking office. Like there's no way that's going to happen. So I looked into my hobbies and I really only had two, which was eating food and lifting weights. sounds like you combined them and then it, it worked out at least so far. Yeah. So was this gradual then? Cause that's always a fascinating topic is, do you just take the leap of faith and say, screw it, two week notice, I'm going to go try and find some clients. Or did you just slowly over time, you know, gain the knowledge to then bring clients on and, and work your way up? So I actually had a, um, it was kind of unique. So it was such a big part of my life already. I already knew a lot more than I thought I did because I spent a lot of my free time doing this anyway. So I'd already read through like nutrition textbooks and different things like that to, to help me. I, I had a bad injury, um, right? I ruptured an Achilles and had like six months of time where I all of, a, all of a sudden couldn't do my number one hobby sort of thing. So I took a, like a, a liking to learning about some of that. So it gave me some of that upswing. And then I have a friend, uh, her name is Jen Ryan. She's like a multi, you know, time CrossFit games athlete, super badass there. She had gotten into nutrition coaching early in like the 2015, uh, timeframe. And I helped her set up parts of her business, like website, different things like that. And then through a very unique situation, she ended up doing, nutrition for like a high profile CrossFit uh, games athlete who had, you know, like 800,000 Instagram followers or something like that. And then one day this athlete posted about her and overnight 500 client applications came in and she called me crying. I was like, can you wow. please fucking help me? <laughs> yeah. 500 applications. 500. Yeah. So I like wrote some code to help her like parse through things. And that was like me it was a very interesting perspective for me because there's me who's like Aaron software engineer, whose hobbies are, you know, fitness and nutrition reading dozens and dozens of client applications. And for some reason I had thought like all these people at the time I was still pretty like into the CrossFit side of things. If you're super serious about training and like in the CrossFit, the nutrition is kind of like a hand goes hand in hand. 
that's not the case. You know, that was, that was a, that was like a, a fallacy in, in my thought. And then I was seeing firsthand how little people actually knew. And then originally the plan was like, I was like, I'm going to write like training programs sort of thing. But then I kind of got like some imposter syndrome and I was like, but you know, I, I'm a member at this gym. There's Brian who knows so much more than me about training. Like if someone wants a training program, like they're just going to go to him. Why would they come to me? But what I saw was a gap in males doing nutrition that wasn't bodybuilding prep. There re- and, and this is like 2017 at the time. There wasn't, there was some pockets of it, but it was still like a kind of an untapped thing. All the nutrition coaches I knew were women, um, aside from like bodybuilding prep, um, which at the time the bar was pretty low there too. So I saw like a unique market and I was like, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, 2017, it's not that long ago. I mean, that's five years ago. Right. And from there to where we are now is just insane. Right. Like I, I don't even know how hyper specific you'd have to dive into to a niche to not probably be where someone else already is because of Mm -hmm. all the certifications that blew up and everyone and their mom, you know, thinks that they're going to be a coach and, you know, just, you know, collect 10 friends. that's going to find them up 10 other friends, almost like an MLM to just go and coach people. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's my favorite, my favorite math MLM math. People are like, okay, so if I just get 10 of my friends to sign up for a hundred dollars each, that's a thousand extra dollars I'm making per month. It's like, yeah, that's great math, but you got to realize like that's that's not just money in your pocket. That goes to expenses. Mm-hmm. That goes to all the time because $100 for nutrition coaching is pretty low and you got to think the amount of hours between check-ins and all those other things like it's just not it's not going to work out the way you want. At least not starting place. Yeah, yeah, not a great starting place probably, yeah. but like if you're going to try and depend on that and you know up and quit something to go to that, probably not unless it's just you and maybe your dog. Mm-hmm. Depending on how bougie your dog is. <laughs> we we got to say that. So I'm kind of curious then you, you get, you decided that you're going to help her with these applications. So was that then your leap into like, did she ask you to come on and start coaching with her? Because if, if you're helping her with the software or how, how then did you go from there to, okay, I, I can coach then. Yeah. So what it ended up being was, I can't remember the timing specifically, but if it was either like just before or just after I had already like enrolled in the precision nutrition course. So that was like something I was like, I just wanted, I wanted more. So I was like, I'm going to start getting like some, some certification sort of thing. So I had started that. And then we started having like weekly meetings and just covering, like helping source out, okay, the, these like next 10 are, these are the next 10 people in let's schedule, you know, consults and stuff. So I didn't like take on any of her clients or anything like that, but it was a lot. I was having now weekly conversations like with coaches um, who had clients and just learning more in turn. And then in, in addition to, by this time I had been already like fully tracking my own, you know, dietary intake and doing periodization and all of that stuff. Um, so that just continued to to go on when we would meet for about like a, a year, year and a half, like Tuesdays. And then I wrapped up the, the precision nutrition thing. And then I wanted to get like more. So I had known like those friends had gone and got like um, an NASN uh, sports nutritionist licensure. So I went through that as well. And then I was like, I was wrapping up that is when my girlfriend and I put together, like started timing up, like, okay, this is the date we're going to, you know, quit our jobs. This is when we're going to, we, we planned it. We planned the nomad life and we just put together a timeline and then started backing a, a reverse engineering it per se. So you're saying you slowly built your confidence, made a plan and then executed it. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Yeah. 
which uh, because of what you've described here so far, and like, I know people may not know you, they may not follow you. And you mentioned tattoos and stuff like go to Aaron's social media. And he is a giant, beautiful man filled with (laughs) tattoos. And so it's just so funny to see like that side of you, right? Where you're just a beast and you want tats. And then the other side of you is like, yes, I'm going to make a plan and we are going to execute it down to the last dotted I. Yeah. And I think like, I, I can say confidently like without my girlfriend, I never would have had the, like the balls to, to do it by myself, but it just felt, I've always been like a, a, a very strong thought and, and rule that I've lived by is like, if you want, if you want something new, right? The worst case scenario is you try it. It doesn't work out. And you end up right back where you are right now doing the same exact thing you're doing right now. Right. So like, uh, when I was, 22 right after graduating college uh moved across the country to southern california like me and two friends we didn't know anyone we just bought like one-way flights and and figured it out and at the time like i remember thinking like worst case scenario is like i run out of money and then like three months i'm like mom can you buy me a plane ticket home and i lose three months of post-college like that that was my worst case scenario so that already that already like served me before so i'd kind of like leaned on that again and when i did quit my software engineer role, I took a little bit of a gamble there. So I told my boss, which is a CTO, like three months out, I said, Hey, cause we would have like, you know, quarterly meetings with like your, your superior. And I said, Hey, come January, I'm not going to be here anymore. You know? And, and I was scared because I was afraid that they would just drop me right there, you know, and say like, well, you know, today's your last day or two weeks or whatever. And then I would have been a dumbass. But I was, uh, I had a pretty important role. I was kind of like the, the senior most person in my like niche of, of the engineering team. And I didn't want to like just bounce on them with two weeks and, and feel like a, right. a, a, a shithead there. And they let me pick my last day. You know, I told him like three months in advance and he said, let me know when your last day is. And then on that last day, he said, if you ever want to come back, you'll have a spot. So it was like kind of reassuring. But it was like, it did help me feel, you know, confidently as I transitioned because I kind of, I I wouldn't say I like burned my bridges, but I like, you know, carefully and respectfully dismantled them. What was, what was your mentality through that meeting? Cause that conversation you're saying was a hard conversation, right? You could have been dropped going through that transition. Like, are you naturally like a very anxious person or were you having night sweats or night terrors or anything like that? Or are you just calm, cool, collected and just see the mission and can execute it? It's hard to say. I have like a strong, like moral compass of, I want to do things the way I perceive them as being done right. And it might bite me in my ass, but at least that like, I kind of stuck to my morals and standards for how I want to handle myself as a human. And I wouldn't have felt that way about myself. If I just said, Hey, it's my two weeks notice. Like I'm out of here sort of thing. So I'm, I know I wasn't like nervous about it, but at the time I had already made up my mind that like Aaron, the software engineer who lives in San Diego, like this chapter of my life has closed. So now I'm in this purgatory gray area until Aaron, the nomad full-time nutrition coach starts. What would be a, a dark moment though, that you can think of because we talked earlier about being an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship is hard and traveling like you guys do, I'm sure brings about its moments where even though you and your girlfriend have goals and everything else beautifully together, I'm sure there's times where you probably just, you know, want to just punt each other across the room. <laughs> what, what's, what, what's a dark moment 
that you've been through because entrepreneurship, man, there, there's just so many. And we were joking, I think, before we started recording about this, like the low leveling of anxiety that, you know, you take on this journey and you think like, okay, now that I'm making money, I'm good, right? Because you go from no money, I don't know if my card's going to bounce or this check, whatever it is that you're writing or using to then, okay, now I know it's not going to bounce, but then it's like, oh yeah, but now I'm paying for these other things. And now I have a business and now I have to have a savings account for my taxes. Now I have to have this other thing because if not, you get kind of screwed every year when you do your taxes. So yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's, a, what's a dark moment that through this journey you've had to go through? I would say the, the one that I remember was about, it was actually literally the month the pandemic hit. Uh, so I used to run a, a bit of a different business model where I would open my coaching in like quarterly openings. And then I would start like 20 clients at once or something like that. And this was like the third iteration that I was doing it. And it just like was not working. I, I was very far under my like goal um, in terms of, of, you know, new clientele signing and savings were, you know, dwindling and that sort of thing. And it just felt like, like I was just failing, you know, and I was like, I'm, I don't know what to do. It's not working, you know, and I remember like having like, not like a, like a, like a, a meltdown, but just like being incredibly frustrated to the point where I was like, I don't know what to fucking do. Like it's not working. And then, you know, your fears kind of get the best to you. And I was like, what happened? I, I told myself I'm not going back but this isn't working. Like what, what do I do sort of thing? And then this is one of those times where like my girlfriend was, was super, super supportive. One thing I think that also really, really helped is right as we were deciding that we were going to get into this entrepreneurial life, we had started consuming a lot of like life coaching content, uh, specifically around like mind management. And so much of those fears or like dark moments, it, it, was really helpful to, to learn about like, there's like actual circumstantial bad, dark things. Like your bank account is in the negative, but then there's also like your thought created bad things. Like this isn't working. I'm no good. Like there's things that are objectively verifiable. And then there's things that like stories that you're just telling yourself. And she helped me see that it was just like a story that I'm telling myself. Like each of my launches had been bigger than the previous one. But it's like, I wanted the $100,000 launch, but I was only getting the like $8,000 launch. You, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. things were improving. It's just, it's hard to dictate the rate at which the growth will happen or when the match does ignite, but you have to still sit there, you know, flicking the, the, the flint to try and ignite it. You just can't dictate the moment that the fire actually starts. What drives you to do that? Like, and, and to put in the work then every day, is it just when, you, when your calendar, <laughs> you put it in your calendar. So <laughs> I have to do it. <laughs> I just have this like grand vision of the life that I want, the family that I want. And a couple things. One, you know, like when we're, when you're 12 year old, you know, boy, 14 year old boy, you're like, man, you're, you're starting to come of age a little bit. And you're telling yourself like, all the things that you're going to do when you're an adult and how rad life is going to be and stuff like that. How many people like it never turns out that way. And there's like, Oh, that was a pipe dream. I was just a kid. I didn't know what life would be like, but there are people out there who make that shit happen. You know what I mean? And I just kind of got like fed up. Cause I, cause I did everything that like on text things were 
good in my life. I had a software engineer job in a 21st century where it's a fantastic, you know, secure role. I lived in Southern California. I was making good money. I had this sweet lifted black truck that I liked, but I really wasn't that happy. And I was just kind of like, is this as good as it fucking gets? You know what I mean? And I realized like $150,000 a year, $180,000 a year, like in Southern California, it's not a lot of money. (laughs) It really, really isn't. And which is crazy. It's crazy yeah. to say that when you look yeah. at like the standards of the American like household and all that stuff. Exactly. And then I saw, but the thing that was cool about being there is you got a lot of exposure to the possibility of what other people have created. And I really just started asking myself, like, is there something that these fucking people have that I do not? And the answer was like, no, I don't think so. Like, I don't think there's something that they have that I don't or that I can't acquire or can't learn. And then I kind of came back to that thing, like, man, I just want a life that, you know, seventh grade Aaron would be super pumped about how we actually turned out. And when I did decide to like take the leap and make the decision, like I said, I I was, I was 30 and I asked myself if it takes us whenever I'm like doing like hard, big conversations, I always refer to it as like an us, like, you know, me and future Aaron or whatever. I said, if it takes us 10 years, if we're 40, by the time it like catches and we can dictate the life we want. Is it worth it? And the answer that I found was yes. I think you're absolutely correct. And I think the points that it sounds like that you're touching on would be around just being true to yourself. Like you knew who you were. It just took you a few years of going through, you know, can I make this thing happen and learning actually the education of nutrition and and fitness and being confident in that and getting exposure to that before you took the lead. But I mean, you're saying from 22, I believe you said earlier that you knew like you didn't want to be the khakis guy, right? I always yeah. picture base. Did you watch the movie Basketball? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> first we get the khaki. First we get the jobs. Then we get the khakis. Then we get the girls, man. <laughs> yeah. That's what I always picture with that. Uh, but I, I think you're right. Yeah. Because it would be cool if you had a time machine and you could just go pull your 12, 14 year old self out and then just sit down in front of you and just literally just talk. Give me two minutes. And you're absolutely right. Most of us, I think when we'd sit down, your 12-year-old self would be like, dude, what the shit? What are you doing? Like, this looks like it sucks. Like, I thought we were going to do X, Y, and Z. And here you are sitting at a desk or, you know, sitting, you know, miserable when you come home at night and drinking beer and watching Netflix because you don't feel like you have a purpose or you don't feel like you can do anything else. Maybe we should invent a time machine. Can yeah. Call, <laughs> call up Elon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's something that... I think I got kind of lucky to be completely honest in that when we also said, Hey, we're going to start these businesses. We also said, we're going to go travel too. And a big part of that reason is like your savings are going to get you so much further in other parts of the world than they will in Southern California, like cut and dry. And what I also didn't realize is by me just removing myself from my existing environment of friends, gym, routine, etc. And then also just being on the other side of the world, I had from pretty much, you know, 9:30 a.m. to like 9:30 p.m. where all of my friends, all of my family, everyone I know in life is asleep. So I had a 12 hours, you know, every single day to just focus and work. And then by removing myself from my, you know, existing friend groups and people who had expectations of who I had used to be, in these other things, I was free to really finally discovered 
what characteristics of myself were purely of myself and not things that I inherited from other people. I'm, I'm someone who's very, I'm like very adaptive to my environment. So if there's someone who's like strongly like, Hey, let's go to the gym at, you know, 7am sort of thing. Like eventually I'll be like, fine. Okay. Like let's fuck it. Let's just go at 7am. And then I'll tell myself like, Hey, I've been going to the gym at 7am for like nine months. I'm a 7am person. But then if I like never saw that person again over a period of like weeks, I wouldn't be going to the gym at 7am anymore. So I think one of the things where I got really lucky is I just spent a lot of time, you know, largely by myself or just myself and my girlfriend. And I got to find out like what characteristics are truly of mine. And, and that really, really helped me to realize that like a lot of those, a lot of these like creature comforts of life, like the Netflix at, at night sleeping in on, on Saturday and Sunday, like they're not things that I really care about. You know, I, I'm very okay working till 10 PM, you know, six, seven days per week sometimes, if that means I have this life of flexibility and freedom in doing what I think is important, which is, you know, impactful for me and it helps drive me and keep me going. Does actual though, like travel, does that unlock creativity with you? Like, do you, I, I know you mentioned savings and you can live other places and things like that, but, um, you know, it, does it make you more creative or more, uh, I don't want to say at ease, but you know, you, you're mentioning that you have 12 hours now in some places where, you know, you don't have any other distractions. And so, I mean, does it make you more aware and intentional during those times then, whether it's business or time with your girlfriend or other things, or is it just like, no, I just like to travel. I wouldn't say that it, it makes me more. It just removes some of the things that make me less. And, and I, that kind of sounds like terrible, but like in this day and age, right? Your phone's going off. It's, you know, your friends sending you a picture of or sorry, sending you some like funny meme, which is great, right? I love those, but when it's the middle of the day and you watch it and then you, it breaks your concentration, takes another 10 minutes to get back to it. That happens five, six, seven times throughout the day. You know, like that adds up when that physically isn't there because everyone is asleep. It's just removing barriers to entry for productivity. Yeah. Mine are, uh, my, my buddies, Rudolph and Mike shouts to you guys, uh, sending me crypto updates. <laughs> I just, I, I walk into 50 texts, multiple times a day. And I'm just like, guys, I need a, I need a little summary here. Cause I have no time to go back and read through all this. Do I need to buy? Do I need to sell? Just <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've talked a little bit about travel. We we've talked a little bit about the beginning stages of entrepreneurship for you. What is that leap into now what you're doing? And if you guys don't know, uh, Aaron mainly works with other coaches, right? Males specifically, right? You work with other um, male coaches in the nutrition and fitness world. So how, how do you, because that you talk about confidence early on, like that's, you gotta be really confident to even want to take on that. Right. Cause now it's people that should know their shit. And now you're coaching those people. And not only that, you also, I, I believe help them with some business aspects as well. Right. So how do you go from, yeah, I'm helping this, this friend out with, with some of the, the application she's got to, yeah, I'm going to go actually coach the people that are coaching other people. I mean, like, like with anything, they, they progressed kind of naturally. So I still do have like a, a full client roster who's of your, you know, your gym, what I call gym pop people or, and that's a, and that's something that I picked up from, from Michael. So, you know, yeah, shout G Y M just in case you're wondering, not gym, yeah. like general population, but gym pop G Y M. 
Yeah. So, I mean, with that, I'm not like, I don't have any clients who are not in the gym. That is like a, that is like the, the first step prerequisite for me. When I do get people who come to reach out to me, I just, I have like, you know, coaches that I refer out to for, for people who I know aren't the best fit for me, but I still do have a full, full roster of that. But how it really started was I, I built this Google sheets based system that I needed to run my check-ins. Like I've said, you know, earlier in the podcast, I worked as a software engineer uh, for a number of years and Google sheets takes a lot of software functions. They're very, very similar and they do very similar things. So once I realized that my like sheets skills, like five X overnight, when I realized I could put in all these like <laughs> programming functions. Um, <laughs> so I built it because I needed it, you know? And then after like four or five iterations from like working with clients and stuff, I had like two coaches. They're like, Hey, cause I would like put it on my stories and stuff a little bit. And they're like, Hey, can I buy that from you? And I was like, no, you know, this is my thing, but, but you know, thanks. But then like, after like the fifth person started asking, I was like, Hmm. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, give me, give me like 30 bucks. And the people were just like Venmo me for it. And I was like, Holy <laughs> shit. But then after the, the feedback, they're like, dude, this is incredible. Like, I wish, I wish I would have known about this a long time ago. And I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe I have like a new little business Avenue here. So I like buttoned some things up and made it, you know, a little bit more polished. And then I just started selling it. Um, and then that ended up being like a whole new avenue of, of my business. And it just got me in front of like other coaches. And then I started just getting more questions around things. And then some, some coaches like reached out to me to, to sign up for coaching. Like that's how I met Tristan. Tristan hired me as, as his coach. And at first I was super, super nervous about it. Cause I was like, Oh wow. Like now I'm coaching like coaches. I, do I know enough, you know? And, and that was like a big fear thing for me. But now that it's like a, a large part of, of my business, what I will say, not to throw anyone under the bus, but like some of my coaches are some of my, you know, I don't call them like my worst clients, but like the biggest, you know, glaring gaps for, for improvement with tons of low hanging fruit and stuff. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's actually kind of interesting in that it was a lot different than I had initially thought it would be, but that's something that I've now just looked you know, help them with business system, most stuff where why reinvent the wheel? You know, like this is how I manage my client roster. This is how I manage my contracts and coaching agreements. This is how I schedule my check-ins. This is how I automate things. Uh, I'm just fortunate. I have a unique set of skills where that I had a prior life doing very technical things. And now I run a small nutrition coaching business I just have an odd combination of skills that helps me run a small business and then automate things. And then I can just give that to the coaches that sign up, you know, to, in, in my coaching mentorship. But then what's also different is like, I actually coach them too. So you get my business systems and stuff. I become your nutrition coach to help you with your goals. Cause I know like imposter syndrome is a big part of it. And I know it was for me in the beginning, uh, and then we have like, you know, weekly mentorship calls too. And it's all on what I call like coaching capabilities. Again, I saw a, a spot in the market where I'm sure, you know, I know you and I have talked to this, like there's so many people out there like preying on coaches and stuff for like 10 K months and all this like front end sales shit. But 70% of these people can't even deliver client results. So like everything that we focus on is like coaching capabilities and, and actually, you know, uh, service fulfillment and client success, uh, rates and that sort of thing. Cause 
like at the end of the day, when clients come, like that's what they come for. They come for you to help them reach their goals, not fancy front ends and, and all that shit. But I know like the rates, success rates across the industry are like not great. Yeah. They're they're abysmal, man. Especially once you break into like challenges and things like that and the gimmicks to pull people in. Nutrition and stuff like that. And, and for me in, and the only reason I know this is because like, I've gone through that myself. Like one of the things, one of the, the, the biggest and best changes that I, that I made for, for my business was. I realized, you know, I, I sat down with all the clients I went through, you know, one year and I, I crossed off like what I would consider my success rates. And I was not happy with that number. And I said, I'm going to make a change because I'm not okay with this. And I took a step back in terms of like, um, how many clients I had and, and how I was structuring the business and stuff. But since I've, I've done so I have dramatically improved, improved that, you know, client success rate. And that makes me feel like really, really good, you know, morally about my positioning in the space and really what the, the name and, and Straker nutrition company reputation is in as a, an aside, one thing I will say is like, don't name your business after yourself because you're always going to have this strange attachment to it and from like an ego <laughs> thing. And, but the last thing that I want is when someone's like, oh yeah, I heard you worked, you know, with Aaron, how was it? And I'm like, no, nah, it wasn't worth it. Like that is, that's like a a dagger to my heart. You know what I mean? So I really reworked things to to really do my best to make sure that statement like never comes true. Absolutely. And, and just to reiterate what you said there, uh, any coaches that are listening, you know, it, you guys are the worst clients possible (laughs) and it's okay. It's okay. We've all been there, but I mean, it really, it hurts my heart. Not only when, if someone would say something bad about you, which I, I'm sure it's far or few and far between, but, uh, talking about, you know, client results. So when, when someone comes on and they work with you, how do you help them get better client results? Is that just because of the systems and things that you've developed that you can help them implement and it helps them maybe kind of see through a different lens and like look week to week differently, or is it just commonality across the board? They're just like not filling these big gaps when, when they're actually helping clients their own clients, I should say. Yeah. So part of it is to, to free up some more time because one thing is like, we know coaching clients is one small part of, of running your own nutrition coaching business or, or any small, small business. So one thing I would find is like people are spending a lot of times trying to try, spending a lot of time trying to reinvent the wheel of things that I had already built. Right. So I'm like, here, here's my client, you know, roster management tool. Here is my check-in system. Here's my models for, for planning and periodizing fat loss and muscle gain timeline estimates. You know, here's how I stay organized. Here's how I deliver things. Uh, here's my client success handbook, right? I give that to them. I'm like, here's your onboarding document. Replace my logos with yours. Replace my colors with yours. Swap out my name for yours. Reread it. Change any edits you want. There we go. 40-page onboarding document done in two hours. Here, take it sort of thing. And then it's really, I would say the majority of what we do and what I help clients on is categorizing the noise and the impactful parts of the client details, patching kind of gaps and communicating effectively. I would say that is the most important because it's something where, you know, the more assumptions that we make or the client makes 
the worse off things are going to be. So really not making any assumptions, making verbiage and language used explicitly concise and clear and simple so that nothing gets left for, you know, interpretation that can be messed up is I would say like probably the biggest thing. And is that through your actual clients, coaching clients, or is that just something that you found through your coaching, your own clients, the, the gym pop, the GYM pop? The, the latter <laughs> led into the former, right? When yeah, I realized like my client results got much better when I was, when I made the hard conscious decision to not be a cheerleader and be incredibly honest and, and transparent and not from like being a dick or anything like that, but you know, we all, we all know when like, Hey, if this is, these are like the five things that, that you need to do to be successful. If I'm like your coach giving you this, you know, to a client and the client's like, okay, cool. And then they're like, I'm going to do one and two and then three, four and five, I'm going to like do it my way. You know where that goes as a coach and you can kind of let it slide in the beginning and then try and fix it down the road when things aren't working. Or you can have that uncomfortable conversation in like week one or week two with a client and be like, Hey, just so you know, this isn't going to work the way you think it's going to work. How do I know? Because I do this professionally. I look at people's food logs all fucking day, every single week. I have five other clients who are your same height, same weight, work a similar job, train the amount of times you do. What you're doing is not going to work. I do not benefit myself in any way, shape, or form from making you do it the other way. The only one who's going to benefit is you because this way is not going to work. And it's like, it's uncomfortable to say that in the beginning and say, like, Hey, because you want to, you want your clients to like you because you want them to stay with you. Right. But at the end of the day, they're here for results. And most often you have to have those uncomfortable conversations in order to facilitate the results. And while sometimes clients, you know, don't necessarily like it because it they they realize they have to change they do respect you for communicating in a very stand up uh straightforward uh form do you set that in your expectations up front again i understand you kind of work with a different population than maybe a, a coach just starting or a coach that you know maybe i hate using stay at home soccer moms you know but i mean that's just the easiest cliche to use right but you work with gym pop so they may be more receptive of that do you set that expectation up from you know onboarding hey guys by the way if you start start trying to pull this shit. I'm going to call you out on it. Just, we're going to be very blunt about it and go from there. Yeah. And, and I do now, but that's because I am, I am convicted in that 100%. And I want like something that I say is like, I don't play a game that I can't win. Right. And I'm, if a client comes in and they're like, Aaron, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a vegan, nothing against vegans, but I, I, you know, I'm a distance runner, I'm a vegan and I want to, and I want to have a six pack. Can you help me? I'm like, no, I cannot help you, but I will find someone who will, you know, because I am very, very convicted in, in ways that I know I can help people, um, sustainably safely. That's, that's also going to be beneficial for their health. And in the long term. when people come to me and they don't want to play inside the box that I know how to be successful in, there's little incentive for me to, to, to take that client on because I know it's not a game that I can probably win. Like I'm going to be frustrated. They're going to be frustrated. Instead, I'm just going to find them someone who plays better in the box that they want to play in and will be a better fit. So like now I feel very confident, you know, saying that on the front end, but that comes with 
that purgatory period of where you start testing it out and seeing how it's going and stuff, which is scary. It's super, super scary. You're absolutely right. And I don't know if some of that stems because, you know, I think a lot of people, when you try to transition into coaching, a couple of things happen. One, you just hear over deliver. So you're just like, oh man, I've got to be doing all these things. And you mentioned cheerleader, right? I've just got to pep them up. I've got to send them a text every morning. That's, you know, like, Hey, you got this today, girlfriend, right? You go through that. And then as well as probably the first couple of clients you try to bring on possibly for free, right? Cause you're trying to learn family or friends. Yep. And it's really tough to have conversations that are honest and open because of all of the background noise you have with your friends or family. It's very hard to to tell them to cut their shit unless you just know and set that up front. And so I, I, I tend to agree with the fact that I think people should put that up there and be like, hey, listen, I'm not going to be a dick, but I am going to be blunt. And if you start trying to pull something, just know we're going to have a conversation. And if you keep doing it, it's not worth your time. It's not worth my time because all we're going to be doing is you're going to be basically on auto recur for a payment that you're not using. And then eventually you're going to ask for a refund and that's not going to be fun for either of us. Right. And then you're going to say the experience was shitty and I didn't do a good job. When is you just actually weren't ready to do these types of things and make this decision. So are you okay to agree to that today and, and just have that up front? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, sometimes it's also, is your goal best attained right now? Right. So, I mean, the, the probably like the 80, 20, 80, 80 plus percent of the time someone signs up with a nutrition coach, right? It's for, for fat loss or some sort of improvement of body composition, et cetera, et cetera. If you are like a crazy high stress, you know, situation, let's say you're like an accountant and it's tax season or, or yeah, you're a CPA or whatever. And it's like tax season and you have like a, just coming off of, I don't know, like a really big illness or something like that. And you can only get to the gym like two times per week. Is fat loss the best thing for you right now? Like, no, you know, it's, you're already in a high stress environment, right? Let's say your, your sleep is shit too. Uh, you're have a poor understanding of, of food selection as it is in the first place. Like you really would benefit from just like eating more and creating more flexibility and stuff. And then maybe once, you know, CPAs have that like post tax season where they like work lull drops and we can get you into the gym more and that sort of thing, spending more time outside walking, like that would be a much more conducive environment for successful fat loss. So like having those conversations too, is like, it might just not be the right time right now for that client for fat loss, but that doesn't mean in like four months, it might not be, or five months or six months. And then you can spend those four or five, six months, getting them up to the speed, you know, on food selection and being consistent and all these things they're going to need anyway, before you, you know, dump the calories. Absolutely. And you mentioned something earlier. I want to go back to, um, cause my, you made my spidey sense tingle when, when you said it and, and we just kind of brushed over it and I'm sure anyone listening probably perked up. Uh, you mentioned imposter syndrome, and that, that is something that like started, I, I'm going to say three years ago is when I first started probably seeing that it, it's the words existed before, right? Mm-hmm. I picture old school detective movies. Like I, I grew up on a Turner classic movie, TCM, which was like old black and white movies. And I just, I picture when someone says, ah, we got the impasta or like, mm-hmm. you know, that's terrible Brooklyn accent, but that's my <laughs> Brooklyn accent. Just like old detectives. Uh, and then somewhere like three, four years ago, like people started saying, oh, you're not doing this because you have imposter syndrome or whatever. And so like I started going in and looking at the definition of imposter versus like impersonator and trying to figure out like, is this actual true or fact or true or false? And 
I still can't make heads or tails of it. I have my opinions about it, but I'm curious, like, how do you view imposter syndrome? Because you said that you yourself felt a little bit of this, um, you know, when you're first starting, or maybe even you still do. So how do you actually define imposter syndrome, even if it's just for yourself? And and how do you help others with that? I mean, I would say it, uh, defining it is just like a feeling of you don't belong and you're not good enough. That's at least how I perceive it. Uh, it. It doesn't go away because as your business grows, as you you know continue along your like trajectory of of whatever career or progressions you are in life, you're going to put yourself in higher like in bigger rooms of more capable people than yourself, and it's only going to grow as you grow. You know what I mean? So. When you are, I, I I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. And it took me a while to, to realize that. And especially having conversations with people in the space who I, you know, look up to and respect and, and they still have imposter syndrome and stuff where I was like, oh, you know, maybe it isn't a bad thing. Maybe it's something that kind of keeps you a little bit honest, right? And, and make sure that like integrity and morality is, is still there because you are concerned about the quality of work and stuff. I, I would say, you know, two coaches getting into the space or starting with some of their, you know, th- their first clients, the people who were like really nervous around, am I good enough? Do I, do I know enough? I feel like an imposter. They're going to do a lot more to make sure everything is done right because they're so fearful of things being done wrong, as opposed to this person who gets into it and they're super overconfident and like, oh, this is easy. I know so much already. They're not going to do that due diligence to make sure they're doing a great job. So while you may feel like an imposter because you don't have a, a very long track record or a lot of you know time in the seat yet, you're probably doing a better job than the person who knows just as much as you, but is super, super, super confident about their abilities because they will oversee things. Absolutely. I think uh, me and words, this is where being dyslexic comes in. <laughs> I, I believe imposter in the definition has the word fraud attached to it. And I think impersonator is the assumption of being somebody else. And I think that's where like when I started like trying to define the word and it's all semantics, right? It doesn't matter. It's a feeling. But yeah. when I was like in there, like, is, is there something to this or is this just because we feel that I don't want to say that we're always looking for validation, but maybe, right, if I go in front of my peers and I'm supposed to present on something, I am worried about their perceived expectation about the feeling that they get leaving this, right? And so I'm sitting there nervous, like, did I do I have the right stats? Am I going to get them all emotional, right? Whatever the outcome is that I'm looking for, is it going to match that? And so, you know, when we're talking about coaches or small business owners, podcasters, doesn't matter, right? You go to post that post on social media, and then you hear crickets, right? You're like, oh, here I was worried that 20 people are going to say it was shit and I don't have anybody anyway. So what's the difference? Mm-hmm. And then you're in that, I like to call it like the waiting for the kickback period, right? You went from, just as you mentioned, right? You go from, I can fucking do this. There is no doubt in my mind. I got my cert. I'm going to get a hundred clients. And then it's tough. And you you get one client in 30 days and it's your mom. And then, you know, Maybe the next 30 days you branch out and you're your mom's friend. And then maybe over 90 days, six months, you actually have a handful of clients, right? And you're in that law phase that just, you mentioned purgatory a couple of times. And like, that's almost what it is, right? You're waiting for that exponential curve to take off. But what you also don't realize is you're probably at one of the best times ever because you're grinding it out. You are waiting 
for your compound interest to take effect. But you're also probably, even though you have that anxiety to make money, you're probably at one of the like lowest levels of anxiety, as we mentioned before, that you're ever going to be at again, if your business actually takes off. Yeah. Yeah. And then when, when you actually start to take off, that's when you're in a whole different world and you don't realize until you realize that you need somebody like you with systems or you need to be a part of a community or a mentorship or whatever it is, if you're not finding those things out on your own, right? Because once you realize that you've went from a job to a business, it's not just now, hey, this is these are the hours I work. Now it's, okay, actually, yeah, I have to have systems in place because now I don't have just any time of day to answer the phone if a client texts me back finally, or if somebody sends an application, I actually have to have a Calendly link now because I only have certain times to do these things. And it's just funny because I find more often than not, I mean, I've started several different businesses now and done different things with different people and helped businesses all over the world at this point. And it's just fascinating because it does not matter the amount, unless you have built a successful, I would say high six or seven figure business or like you, you're very analytical and can go through the data. It's the same thing every time. doesn't matter if you're starting a furniture store, coaching business, or a brick and mortar that sells sushi. does not matter. You have that, like, I can do anything to six months to a year where it's like, this sucks. I need to go back to nine to five to then on the other side of that, like slowly increasing exponentially. Yeah. That was my TED talk. Thank you for attending. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always joke that I'm going to write a book called Waiting for the Kickback. <laughs> <laughs> just, hopefully, it's just a book, of, like just, it's just a bunch of jokes, just like running jokes. And then mm-hmm. people get to the end, they're like, what, what is this? And like, oh, now I get it. Uh, I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, quick question. Quick question uh, for you. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing uh, I, I went to your actual website for like some of the downloads and stuff. And so, mm-hmm. I know I can put those in, in the show notes. If, if, um, based on kind of the conversation we've had today about systems and uh, different things you've helped coaches with, if they actually like wanted to go through and see some of those systems, I'll put them in the show notes, but just curious, like where would they start with all the goodies that you have? Like, is there one place that you find it? Like, I think your check-ins like 30 bucks that you mentioned and you have a couple other things and then you have like an ebook download as well. Uh, yeah. where, where could somebody actually like start with if they have questions around that though? Yeah. So, I mean, you can go to the website and my website is Straker, S-T-R-A-K-E-R, nutritionco.com. If you scroll down on the homepage, I have uh, links to the two systems that I do sell. Uh, One is my done for you client check-in system. The other one is the muscle gain and fat loss models. And then I do have an ebook that I wrote during the pandemic, which was a lot of fun. I I got tons of work done during the pandemic in the beginning, which was cool. And that's just like a free ebook uh, out there. Um, and that's like, I think it's in the menu on the top, like uh, on my website. So you can go there. My Instagram, you can also find like links to, to all that stuff as well. And that's just Aaron underscore Straker uh, on Instagram is where I most act. Or just DM me right now. I'm super responsive and stuff. Sliding those DMs, baby. Yeah. Um, I do actually uh, have a couple more things, um, yeah. but I just want to go ahead and make sure because I, I don't want to forget that because I, I know you do have actually wonderful stuff and I want to make sure I plug that, um, not not just to get you 30 bucks, but <laughs> in case like these are guys like I, I've seen this, he's done a training in our community as well. And then you dropped a couple of resources in there, which are super just fascinating. And I've not seen anyone else having been in this space for quite a while, like do the things that you're doing. I'm sure people have knocked you off by this point, but like it's so in depth. <laughs> I mean, that's the space we're in, man. Like if you're a business coach or in this space, like you've been knocked off, like it, yeah. it happens. 
Yeah, it, it comes. Uh, I'll tell like a really funny story. I was on, man, where was I? I was Googling. I had realized I had like a broken Google link on my website. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, how long has that been there? So I was like hitting different like search engines, you know, to, to figure out like where things were popping. And I think I pulled up like DuckDuckGo or something like that. And I searched like my, you know, my name in a Reddit post popped up. And it was like this fitness guides Reddit like sub community. It, there are people asking to like share my my check-in system. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I was like slightly frustrated, but like maybe like a 15% frustrated, but like an 85% like, I can't believe people actually like want this. Like it's just <laughs> wild when it happens to you. You know what I mean? Cause for me, I was yeah. like, I didn't like build this thing to like sell it. I, I literally built it because I needed it to run my business with my own clients. And it's just like wild to stumble across the Reddit post of people trying to find like your stuff. That's hilarious. There's a whole subreddit community around Straker's guides. <laughs> I love it. I do want to know though, because you're very studious. You're someone I, I would consider good with words. Thank you. But I, I know the the time and attention and that you put in and, and the detail that you put in. Having said that, when you kind of look back, like when you first were starting, what are some of the key aspects that you would like to have known? that would have significantly helped you versus possibly going into some of that purgatory that we, that we've went through here today, whether that's life, whether that's business, whether that's something else. The life stuff is, I would say is probably the, the hardest thing. It depends there. Cause there's, there's kind of two, two sorts of people. There's people like myself. And then there's people like, like my girlfriend, I am someone, I'm like a burn the bridges Cortez type person. I need to not have avenues to, to go back to so that I can stay focused sort of thing. She's not like that. She can be like budget her time appropriately and still make whoever's 27th birthday party this Saturday at whatever steakhouse or whatever, where I'm like, put me in a town. I don't know anyone so I can isolate myself and get things done. It really helps knowing who you are at that time, because there is a lot of, I hate to say it this way, distractions, but at a time when you are trying to revolutionize and like change your life and build something new and, and resources are, are, um, scarce, especially if you're still working a full-time job, like your time is an opportunity cost and friends, family is like I said, as much as I hate to say it, those, those times, they, they are very opportunistic of getting the wheels off the ground. And so many people, I feel like, never make it out of the getting the wheels off the ground phase because they are trying to balance everything and add this new business on top of an existing full life. And it just doesn't work that way, especially in the beginning when you're super green, you have so much to learn Anything that you do is going to take you so much more time. You need to find time and remove distractions. So like I said, if you're someone like me, I've said this, I think earlier in the podcast, like if we didn't move away from San Diego and I didn't sell all my shit and like burn the bridges, I never would have got it off the ground. And it's important to, to understand what type of person you are so that you can maybe appropriately, or maybe you don't need to do that. But I would say like in, in the beginning, that's really, really important. 
Yeah, it it's always funny to me because we're always so focused on money that time is literally the only thing you can't buy, right? Technically, like if you want to go to the business philosophy, right? They'll be like, oh, you can buy time. You can buy your time back, right? And that's, that is true. Like, don't, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. But when you're talking about your own life, like you can't buy more time, right? Maybe soon Elon will have Neuralink up and running or whatever, right? The next, mm-hmm. next crazy medical device. But that is, that's absolutely, I mean, you're right. Cause you're saying you help your own clients with that. And that, that, that's what we've really shifted messaging to a lot in the community is like, you probably need your time back. You're spending all day on social media, trying to post and get clients. And when in reality, just like you said earlier about results, like actually, what if you could take all that time, which is probably 70% of your time right now, because you're trying to get clients, you're just posting on social media. What if you flip that? What if 70% of your time was spent on your clients and running your business? And now 10 to 15% was spent just getting the new leads and then the other 10, 15% on something else, something fun, maybe something for your community and to build that out. Like, what would that look like for you? And then you start to see like the lights, the lights come on, right? And people are like, oh, that does sound more fun. Yeah. The reason why you hate the thing you do, because you switch from a, trying to go from a nine to five to a hobby to make it a passion, to make it a business. And then somewhere along the way, you you found out that you had to spend 70% of your time making TikToks and you didn't realize like you didn't have to, but you just thought you needed to. Yeah. That that one I get, and I, I'm definitely not the person to talk to. Like, I, I was actually just looking. I looked today. I haven't made an Instagram post in, in a month, like, since, like, the week before I left Bali. But it's that, one of those That probably things. speaks, though, to, like, your your own network, right? Because that you don't have to post if you have a network or referral system actually in place, right? And that that's where, like, the people that are like, well, this person doesn't post. I'm like, okay, no one ever said you had to, but I guarantee you they have a referral system and a network that they rely on and yeah. or they do cross-promotional partnerships, which are absolutely key for any business. Yeah. Uh, mine right now is, has been referrals. Like, since I since I really doubled down on, I just want, you know, I, I, I just made a decision. Like, every client that comes in that I take on, I want to hit a home run, right? And there's there needs to be either they just realize that Cause I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you're going to get clients who come through, you know, and they see, they get motivated one Saturday and they decide that they want like abs cause they think it's going to make their life hundred percent better. And then when they realize that they need to like track their food and make change their habits, they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't fucking care about my abs anymore. I'm out of here. Like that will still happen. But once Especially I decided now it's, it's Saturday football, college football, oh, 12 packs come up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That that's always a fun one when you when you have when you start making when when you teach someone how to quantify their alcohol habits and and just you can see the soul come out of their face and I'm like I don't make I, I don't make the math I'm just telling you how the math works out. <laughs> Favorite ones? How many carbs do, do can I get rid of uh, if I just if I want to drink a twelve pack? <laughs> I was just like what whatever whatever like, twelve days? times twenty five is. <laughs> yeah, is high. Um, but yeah, since, since I just really doubled down on that, like all my clients are just referring me other clients. How, how do you get referrals? Because that's always, that's always a big one. Cause there's one side you just ask, you make an expectation mm-hmm. or you just hope and pray, right? It, it goes almost back with social media. So you have some people that are like, no, right. As soon as I onboard people, I'm like, Hey, at some point I'm gonna ask you for a testimonial and a referral. Other people are like, Hey, once they've hit X result, ask referral. And then three is I don't ever ask. I just hope. As much as I hate to say it, I am in like the latter. I, I don't really ask. I just hope there's some like, 
that I will ask for like the coaches who I'm doing like mentoring for, I'll ask them for, for some, but the majority are just like clientele. And I, and I will say, you know, I've had clients when they leave and they're like, Aaron, you know, can I, can I send you a, can I write a testimonial, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the real reason I say like, no, you know, I don't need it. Cause, cause then I have to do something with it. I have to like update my website or, or whatever. And like, it just adds more, you know? And, and I mean, re- realistically, how many before and after pictures of, other dudes in their underwear do you need on your website before people are like, okay, I think I, I think this guy knows what he's doing. I'm going to say that over under is probably somewhere between like 18 and 24. Like I'm not going to have like 60 on there, but what I'll say is like, just if anyone, you know, if, if anyone asks you about anything, like just a referral, you know, nothing, nothing super, you don't have to re- record me an infomercial or whatever, but if you're, you know, at the gym and someone asks about anything, like just a referral, just like that. And I look at it as like planting seeds, right? I'm planting seeds with each of my clients that I do, you know, I show up for and do a really good job with. And then in terms, then they turn around and plant some seeds for me. And as I just really, really focus on doing a damn good job, being a damn good nutrition coach, like my existing clients will do my marketing for me. Yeah. And and I believe because of even the way you have your check-in software through your Google sheet, right? Like technically you probably could just rip from that if you wanted to, right? And just share like a before and after because of like how you have everything documented, right? Oh yeah. Th- then I, and I built it like that for, for a reason. Like there's a, there's like a, a before, there's a photo comparison, you know, there's, there's two photo comparison features into it. And one, you can have like your logo right in the middle, which is awful that you need to do that. But because there's coaches out there ripping other people's before and afters and selling their own coaching with it. Uh, so that's the real reason I put that in there, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, God, it's not shocking at all. Good Lord. But yeah, that, that's, that's, a, I, you know, one of the common things that, you know, we talk to coaches all the time about is just about their systems and their check-ins. Like, Hey guys, there's probably a lot of valuable information you can do there. Like a lot of times when you go and ask for a testimonial from a client, like they get nervous and, and they're not sure what to do. And then you can try and give them prompts. And then still there's lots of ums or like the, the camera's the wrong way. The lighting's terrible. So like they did this wonderful thing and they're super excited for you to give it to you. And then you got to tell them they're like, Hey, this is shit. Like, this, <laughs> this is awful. I can't even use this. Like it's grainy. It's weird. You'd filmed it on Android. You sent it to my iPhone. I can't see it. And it's a weird square, right? Like, so you can eliminate all that you know, by if you actually kind of phrase maybe once in a while, check in a different way, or maybe when you actually, instead of doing an, a physical check-in, like you normally do their weekly or bi-weekly or monthly, depending on your package, you could actually just send the person a couple questions, right? Like in an actual conversation. Do you use uh, Loom at all? Like, do you, do you do that way when you check back in with people? Is that, is that the software of choice for you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I use Loom, um, which is, I don't love Loom. I don't think there's I'm waiting on a, on another competitor to to emerge in the same market of screen recording, which immediately provides you a link to share, et cetera, et cetera. It's just this is you know old software engineer Aaron coming out. I, there's just a lot of problems with it that seem needlessly complex and and a little bit uh, unreliable. And I have been waiting on on something to pop up. But yes, I do use Loom. Maybe you should create it. Oh no, that there, that was a, a rule I made for myself, like ha, about three quarters of the way through year one is no more writing code. It, you'd be amazed at how quickly you lose those skills. I, I actually had, um, I, I worked in like a really close, cool knit of, uh, of clients or sorry, of other engineers at, at my previous job. And maybe, maybe about like two years, two and a half years after I, I had left, like one of them emailed me and was like, Hey, 
like I know I know you're not doing this anymore, but I'm trying to work on something on like one of our projects and based on how we, you know, we have like version history, you could see that I had written the code and he's like, can can we just hop on a call? I'd I'd really appreciate it. And I was like, yeah, dude, of course, you know, and I'm looking at it and I can see the commit history. So we know that I wrote it. And I was like, I don't have a fucking clue what any of this does. (laughs) 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 It's so far gone. I was like, I, I, I'm sorry. I can't help you. I don't understand any of this. I was so drunk when I wrote that. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I was like eight shots in. Sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> uh, I love that. But but I mean, it's like anything, right? Like any whether uh, even from nutrition coaching or whatever through your system software, if you don't utilize that part of your brain, yeah, it, it just it goes to waste and yep. it sucks, but that happens. I have a curious question of my own that I'd like to ask. And sure. that is, do you enjoy education? Like as in like one, do you just love to learn? And two, do you just like to share that? Because- you don't post or anything like that, but you do do your podcast, right? And whenever the opportunity comes up, like I know you, you've, like I said, you've done some trainings in the community, um, as well as with people that you're training besides your gym pop, the coaches and stuff, I'm mm-hmm. sure you're getting questions out the ass whenever you have those clients. So is that just something that you feel fulfillment in, or is that just something you just thought would be the next logical step? I, I do feel fulfillment in it, um, f- for sure. I do enjoy learning, especially around things that I care about. Right. I mean, you could be like, like, I don't know if someone's like, Aaron, you know, we're going to learn about the the next political landscape of the United States. I'm like, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, I do not care. <laughs> but if someone's like, there's this, we have, there's a new meta analysis out around, you know, something I'm like the first person that wants to read into it. So if it's in my interests, if it's going to help me, do things that I think are, are important in this world. You know, like I've drawn my line in the sand, like, you know, improving, taking, taking ownership of your own health, you know, through nutrition and stuff like that. That is where I drew my line in the sand of, of the battle that I will fight in, in my life. So for that, I want to be as wildly knowledgeable and capable as I humanly can. So I do enjoy the, the learning, especially as it's, I kind of look at myself along this, like this progression through life. I just want to see how good can I be, you know, around something that I, that I really, really care about. I never really, you know, growing up and, and through high school and stuff considered myself like super smart by any means. Like I had okay grades, but I never did great in like standardized testing or anything like that. And it wasn't until like pretty deep into my software career to where I actually kind of like felt kind of smart still nothing compared to like the top people in, in, on the engineering teams, like by any stretch of the imagination, but nutrition in, in this space has been one where I, I finally feel now that I'm in my like mid thirties, I'm like, Oh, okay. From an intelligence standpoint. And I think a lot of that has to do because I care about it. You know, like when you, when things, when you're learning around things that interest you, it, it like opens the door for, for just like ex- curiosities and exploring those and, Time disappears when you're, you know, like when you were a kid playing, you know, Zelda on N64 and it was like 3 p.m. And the next thing you know, like your mom's coming down the stairs being like, Cam, are you up playing the Nintendo all night long? And you're like, holy shit, the sun's up. Like what happened? (laughs) You know, like it's fun when those things kind of happen again when you're an adult and, and, you know, not playing video games, I guess I should say. But uh, that when I I would say uh, yes. 
And then in terms of the fulfillment, I do like, uh, I'm going to be completely honest. My, my mentorship that I do, I don't make a lot of money doing it. Um, especially from a time commitment standpoint, it would be much more time intelligent to just like sign one or two extra nutrition coaching clients. But I do get a a sense of fulfillment of one, you know, giving back and, and helping other coaches, you know, stay in this space that I, you know, feel so fortunate to be in. I feel like there's so many people who get into the space and then are just like, oh, it's so saturated. And, you know, it's, there's a million other coaches. Um, it's not realistic. And then they go back to like, you know, their sales job or whatever. But I think it's so much more from a, from a simple decision standpoint, as opposed to like, yeah, it's saturated. But, you know, if I'm going to be completely honest, the fuck majority of coaches kind of suck. You know, the bar is low and it allows someone like me and other really good coaches who just have spent their time learning and stuff to come in and deliver really great results um, and just help people. So I definitely do get a sense of fulfillment in that being like, there's nothing special about me. Like I don't have anything that the next coach doesn't have, but it's like a decision of like, I'm not, there are going to be hard times, but I'm just going to work them, work through them because everyone who's been successful has their hard times and they work through them. And then there's, you know, periods of, you know, success and and prosperity and those different things. So I definitely want to help people just be able to, to succeed. Like I have been fortunate to. Does that tie into purpose? Like, do you believe in a purpose? Like we talked about, you know, your mission and you have this, this vision that you want to fulfill, but does that tie into a purpose for you? Like, do you believe in purpose? I do. I wouldn't say I ever really had one until, you know, I realized how much I liked, you know, nutrition coaching and helping people. And I would say, you know what, I, at first I was like, man, this is a really, you know, this is fun. I obviously love lifting weights and, and eating healthy. This is a really cool job. And then when you have like that first client, you know, send you that tearied message that says you fucking changed my life. That changes how you feel about your job real fast. And then when you get like a couple of those and stuff, man, it's crazy. And, and I would say like after, after those, you know, happened a few times and stuff, I felt like much more purposeful. And, and as I, you know, get a little bit older and, and find what parts of, of life are important to me, what is noise, what are parts of society are. I'm like, I get it, but I'm just not interested. And, you know, same way that majority of people in the United States look at, you know, lifting weights and in, in, in healthy nutrition and like, yeah, I get it but I'm not interested in, right? That's how I feel conversely about some of those other things. Uh, I think it really, really does help. Um, and it really has changed like how convicted I am and how serious I take it and what I, you know, want to do with it. What's the, what's the quiet voice inside of your head tell you as far as you said, you spend some like time alone and we're talking about purpose now we're talking about vision. So I'm, I'm guessing you're probably, uh, a man who goes deep, deep with your thoughts. What's what's the quiet voice in your head? And in, in your head, either remind you of or, or tell you. I mean, right now, it's I would say most recently, traveling has really changed a lot um, of the way I just like I was someone I'd, I never left the United States. Till I was like twenty eight years old, and that's I went across the border to Tijuana 
to watch, you know, wrestling and, and, and drink a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really hope this was like, uh, what's the style of wrestling, the Mexican wrestling where oh, they Lucha. Give a mask. Lucha, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly what it was. Like that's yes. exactly what it was. That's fantastic. Um, and it, it really has like that. And, and I, and I, like I said, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I lived in Southern California for, you know, eight years. And then I've lived in, in Texas, you know, Virginia, Arizona, Utah, like all over the place. It, it's really make, making me think like now, so I'll be 35 in, in March, getting to that point, going to have to start a family in a couple of years and stuff. And like, what, what does life look like, you know, and is it even here in the United States long-term? That's where a lot of my like quiet time thoughts go. And I am, you know, completely honest, scared around making decisions that are bigger than just me. And that's something where I've always had a, uh, like if I fuck something up, I'm like, oh, it's just me, right? If I if I make some horrible business decision and blow a bunch of money or whatever, I'm like, it's just me. Like I'll I'll tighten up my spending and, and live low for a little bit. I can figure it out. But like once that grows, like like you were saying, right? As the business grows, that that anxiety gets, you know, probably worse because there's more people that are affected by it than just you. Um, and, and that's something where a lot of my like quiet time is spent thinking like. What do I, you know, want in terms of the next phase of, of my life when there's more than just me and how do I have to change how I approach business when I do have a family and stuff? Cause right, right now I'm fortunate. It's just me. If I need to work till 10 PM every night to get shit done, no problem. Like there's, there's literally no negative recourse of that. When you have a family and stuff like you can't do that or you won't have a family and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. This is uh the actually this is a small iteration. This is not actually kids, but you know, we got a puppy recently. And so the the timetables, right? I'm yeah, a stay-at-home dog dad. Uh Mike always jokes, he's like, you know, dude, that's nothing like having kids. I'm like, I know that's why I don't have kids, because I I could I can't take that leave right now. Yeah. But yeah, like your schedule changes. You can't just go do what you want to do when you want to do it because if you're trying to put him down for a nap or all those other little things or trying to get him to do something, he's got to be let out. You can't, you're not just on your own timetable, which you're absolutely correct mm -hmm. uh, in that. But if anyone could do it, I'm sure you could, man. You live by your calendar. So just, just, just gotta, gotta put that Google notification on. That's it, right? That's, yeah, that's all it yeah. is. <laughs> uh, before we, uh, wrap up, uh, make sure everyone can find, uh, you know, where your uh, links are again, and we'll go over Instagram handle and that stuff. And they'll be in the show notes. I always like asking the question and I know you listen to Jeremiah's podcast, so uh, you might've heard this, but, uh, I always like asking people their bumper stickers. So this is like the Tim Ferriss bumper. Uh, he does billboards. I like doing bumper sticker kind of stole from Matthew McConaughey, uh, you know, mm -hmm. bumper sticker life. But if you had a bumper sticker, can be life, can be business, can be something funny, can be a joke, whatever you want. What would your bumper sticker say? Oh my goodness. If I had a bumper sticker, like I could only put one bumper sticker on my car. <laughs> or are you going to drive a Subaru? Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> I don't know. Just put all the, all the bumper stickers on the back. Like every Subaru doesn't just have one bumper sticker. They have about mm -hmm. 20. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you get one bumper sticker, man. You can make it a giant one though. How about that? So this like a windshield decal, <laughs> this is really just, I have like one sticker on my water bottle. It's been there forever. It's been a saying that I've loved since I was probably like 14 when I first heard it. It's quite inappropriate, but it says eat shit and die. And I've always just like loved it. And I laugh hysterically every time I see it. And like, here it is on my water bottle, right? Eat shit and die. And uh, it was, I think it stemmed from 
when I was like 14 or 15, one of my friends, like dad's got his like first tattoo and he was like 58 years old or whatever. And it was like an American Eagle, like carrying like a, a like a, a banner flag and on the flag, it had a ESAD. And we're like, ESAD, what the fuck is ESAD? And we're like, what does ESAT stand for? It's like eat shit and die. And ever since then, like anytime I saw it, I would always like die. And then I saw this like sticker and I bought it. So I would say like that is that would be my bumper sticker. It would just be say eat shit and die. And it's just, I just think it's hilarious. And I, you know, crack up every time I see it. I'm trying so hard not to laugh into the microphone. So <laughs> it doesn't have to be edited, but that is awesome. I feel like that's something Cartman would say from South Park, right? Like oh, yeah, that, that's for it's like sure. very immature, but. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, where where can people find you? So uh, you work with Gym Pop G Y M. Uh, you also help coaches. So uh, if you're a fitness nutrition coach, uh, not only looking to possibly help out your own uh, nutrition fitness regimen, but also need some help without paying ten, twenty, seventy thousand uh, dollars to get help, but actually like looking for. I don't want to say like low level mentorship because I feel like that like doesn't equate it to that. But like you're you're not asking for thousands of dollars per month for this. No. But they are getting systems and stuff that can actually help them out. So yeah. Uh, where can they go to find out more information uh, about that or or anything in general? Yeah. So that uh, I have a little bit on my website, um, but you can just email me uh, Aaron at strakernutritionco.com or DM me on Instagram at Aaron underscore Straker. Uh, and then last would be podcast, right? comes out weekly. That is on YouTube, Spotify, everywhere you listen to podcasts. And that is called Eat, Train, Prosper. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Coach Aaron Straker. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll see you soon. Thanks for earning experience points with us today on Run the Block, part of the Cam Explains Immersion channel. If you actually want to work with me or my team at No Clouds Media, connect with me on Instagram at cam.explains. There you'll find even more helpful content tips, growth strategies, our latest downloads, or if nothing else, I can guarantee you'll get a good laugh of myself or our pup Oliver throughout the day. Just hit me up at cam.explains. Bonus, if you are following me on Instagram, you also get first dibs on limited spots for the community we're building inside of our network, where we will have tons of free resources, overtime sessions, networking events, special guests, and much more planned as we grow. So be sure to follow along at cam.explains, and we will see you for your next session of Run the Block to earn even more experience points. Hope this helps. And remember, kindness. Pass it on. Bye for now.